You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Welcome into Late Night Gamecocks Show. I am your host, Matt Anderson, and I'm so excited to have you join me tonight for this episode of the Late Night Gamecocks Show. Big weekend for South Carolina. I'm traveling to Texas A&M this weekend. The game is scheduled to kick off Saturday at 12 o'clock. And that game is on ESPN. So the line opened, I think, at South Carolina um, plus 13.5. It's now Texas A&M minus 16. A lot of injuries for the Gamecocks, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the Gamecocks definitely have their work <clears throat> cut out for them against this Texas A&M Aggie team in Aggieland. It's going to be... It's going to be a tough one, but as we all know, the Gamecocks are now sitting at 1-4 and four in the SEC and 2-5 and five overall. So every game really, really matters at this point. Gamecocks need to go four. They need to win four out of their next five games to, to get to bowl eligibility, and we'll hope for a miracle this weekend and at Texas A&M and see if the Gamecocks can get one win closer to bowl eligibility, but... Like I said, we will talk about that later on in the show. Uh, some some news around the Gamecock football program. Um, as we've talked about before, the injuries are, are absolutely mounting for the Gamecocks, uh, especially on the offensive line. Uh, right now, um, it does look like Xavier Leggett is going to play against Texas A&M, and uh, the Gamecocks can't really stand to be without Spencer Rattler, Xavier Leggett, and Mario Anderson at this point in the season. So we'll hope for a miracle. We'll hope for a miracle in South Carolina versus Texas A&M. But some news around the program outside of the injuries. Um, Xavier McLeod was dismissed from the Gamecock football team. Uh, Xavier had been kind of on the team on borrowed time for a little bit. Um, he had He's had a couple different um, transgressions that, you know, had some penalties for, um, some stuff that, you know, no need to really talk about, but he was on thin ice as it was. Um, he was ultimately dismissed from the Gamecock football team for refusing to travel to Missouri last weekend when the Gamecocks lost to the Missouri Tigers. Um, essentially, what happened there was Xavier McLeod wanted to uh, maintain his eligibility for a red shirt, um, so he just refused to go to the game. Um, Shane ended up, you know... This past week, dismissing Xavier McLeod from the team, wished him the best. Um, Xavier probably has some maturing to do. Um, don't think he's, I don't think he has a you know bad family or anything like that. I think that he's just um, probably an immature young man who who probably needs to to grow up a little bit. But I'm glad that he has two parents that seem to be supporting him, and I'm I'm, I'm hopeful that Xavier goes on to have a great career and just doesn't play against South Carolina. How about that? But. Um, the other big news of the week on Gamecock football side is Lenore Sellers' younger brother, uh, Jaden Sellers, became South Carolina's first commitment for the 2025 class. Um, the younger Sellers is a wide receiver prospect in that five foot eleven, 170 pound range, um, very similar to Amazio, Amazio Bennett um, from a size standpoint. Um, he is a junior this year. He um, tore his ACL earlier in the in the South Lawrence football season, so he has been sidelined for a few weeks now. Um, South Lawrence is still rolling. Um, they actually will play West Florence Friday night to try and finish an unbeaten regular season. 
So wish the Bruins the best there. But uh, Jaden Sellers is a kid that, you know, he qualifies for a SEC offer on his own merit, not just, you know, a throw-in with Lenore Sellers. Um, you might see some people saying that, but he's a top 500 prospect in the country. And um, I've talked to the South Lawrence football coach about Jaden and just said that he was mature beyond belief. Um, it really helped him, you know, growing up with Lenore Sellers because Lenore didn't hold anything back when throwing the football. He throws the football with a lot of zip. And Jaden was prepared to catch those passes. And th those are the kind of passes that only a, an SEC-type football player, wide receiver, can, can make on a routine basis. So excited to have him in the boat. Um, I think that we'll hopefully get some sellers-to-sellers -sellers Gamecock touchdowns in the future. And we just wish Jaden the best on his road to recovery from the torn ACL. And excited to watch him play next year for um, – for South Florence as they continue to be one of the better programs in the state of South Carolina. Another note, this is not Gamecock football related, but um, Gamecock basketball did have their um, Garden and Black Madness um, this past Wednesday. I was in attendance at this, and it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, looking at it, I, I know that the university did some marketing for this event. I know that it was talked about on the Big Spur a good bit, but I had honestly forgotten it was taking place. I just happened to be in Columbia that day working and decided, hey, why don't I just stick around and, and go to the event at 7 o'clock. So I'm going to give you my takeaways. Uh, first and foremost, it was a fun event. Um, there were probably, you know, maybe 100, 200 people in attendance, but that didn't stop the Gamecock team from having some fun. I thought that they did a really – I thought University of South Carolina did a really good job in trying to get students there. Um, every student that came was given a um, large Little Caesars pizza. And then there was also an opportunity for students to um, interact with the, some of the Gamecock basketball players on the court in some shooting contest. Um, what was really cool is the student, I mean, the student athletes, you know, helped some of these kids win some really cool prizes. Um, one kid, one student won a Nintendo Switch. Um, one student won a 42-inch smart TV. Um, another student received um, some Apple AirPods. <clears throat> and then the last student received a um, Apple TV so really cool the students walked away with something fun and you could tell that the, the basketball players were having a good time you know chopping it up with the students uh, but on to the scrimmage um, just kind of start here I was very impressed with both Talon Cooper and Michi Johnson I mentioned this on the in the thread about the event on the big spur but both of them have way more bounce and leaping ability than I thought they would have um, before watching warm-ups one of the things I always like to do when I go to basketball games is, is watch warm-ups. I want to see how people prepare for the game. I want to see if they're doing game shots. I, you know, I want to see you know how their stroke looks, you know, where they seem to be most comfortable, how their dribble is. And um, Michi and, and Talon both were excellent. Uh, Michi, Michi was throwing down 360-degree um, windmill dunks. Um, so was Talon. Both those guys are really strong kids, really fun to watch, and I think the Gamecocks are going to be really excited um, with their progress this season. Uh, I thought each of them showed really good court vision. They made some great passes. Um, right now, I would say that Michi and Talon are the Gamecocks' two best players as things stand right now. And, and in college basketball, everything starts with your guard play. And having two guys that are capable of, of shooting the way they are and, and diagnosing and slicing through a defense and making the correct pass, making the correct read on a layup attempt or a shot, um, both those guys, I think, are primed for a big year. I think the next guy that you have to talk about is Miles Studi. 
Um, so yeah, his name is actually pronounced Miles Studi, even though it's spelled S-T-U-T-E. Uh, he's a transfer from Vanderbilt, um, started in the SEC before. He definitely looks the part of an SEC wing. He showed a really nice shooting touch. Um, I was I was very impressed with him, and and I think that he could be that third offensive threat for the Gamecocks. And he's also known as a good defender. He brought some of that defensive intensity um, to the scrimmage, and just really enjoyed watching him play. Um, I was really really impressed by Miles Studi. Jacoby Wright is another guard. It was clearly an SEC caliber player. I think he'll be the first guard off the bench, and there won't be a tremendous drop-off between Michi and Talon, you know, when they need to go to the bench to, to catch their breath and, and get ready for the, the next substitution. But Jacoby Wright can more than hold his own. He's still a little undersized, but I thought that he looked pretty good out there. Um, not saying he's an all-SEC type of guy, but um, I think Michi and Talon have a chance to be that, but it's not much of a drop-off. He's, he's definitely serviceable and, and a great, great bench rotation player. Uh, Stephen Clark, the power forward transfer from the Citadel, I think he's an interesting chess piece. Uh, he was taking threes, and he was banging around down low. He really isn't a big burly type of four-man, more kind of like that long, wiry strength. But he's also another guy that I think belongs on the floor in SEC games. He had some nice dunks, and he shot it decently well in warm-ups. Um, he shot it at least well enough to keep the defense honest and, and stretch out opposing defenses a little bit. Uh, Arden Conyers and Zachary Davis both have very similar body types and look to be guys who can help this year. Uh, Davis is a bit ahead of Conyers right now, just developmentally, which is to be expected, but I think both of them have really bright futures. Um, honestly, I was really also impressed with Benjamin Bosman's Verdonk. Um, and just to be transparent, he's not a guy I had any expectations for after last season. He's more agile than I remember him showing last year. And was also a guy who had some bounce in warm-ups. He was throwing down effortless windmills. Um, during the scrimmage, he, he sort of found himself in the right place at the right time for easy dunks and layups. I don't think he's a guy that you ask to put up many points as he's still slow with his movements around the rim. You know, he drops the ball too low when getting rebounds or receiving passes. But he looked infinitely better than at any point last season. And just remember, um, at points last year, um, Bosman's Verdonk was actually starting for the Gamecocks, so I don't know if he's going to be a starter this year, but I think that he will have an opportunity to, to get into the rotation. Uh, keeping it with the bigs, Josh Gray is just the same Josh Gray. He's a mountain of a man. He'll be counted on to block shots, rebound, make putback layups and dunks. He's not very agile, and he kind of plods around, and, and we saw all that last season, and that's just fine for what they need from him this year. It was nice to see Abrima Deba out there, and while he, you know, he doesn't show that quick, tit, quick, quick twitch athleticism that he might have had, you know, prior to his Achilles tear, um, he clearly knows how to play the game the right way, and I can see how I can see him having a positive impact this season. Austin Hero can really shoot the basketball, um, it's, and that shouldn't be a surprise, you know, when his brother is Tyler Hero, probably one of the best shooters in the NBA, and had a really good season at Kentucky a few years back, but Alston really needs to get stronger. And I think the game needs to slow down for him. Um, he, he, he's probably playing a little too fast, probably just swimming in his own head a little bit, um, you know, making that leap to SEC basketball and, you know, power five division one basketball. But he did have a really nice crossover step back um, shot that he swished um, in the scrimmage. 
But, I mean, really that was probably his only bright spot that I noticed, but it was really nice to see him make that play. I think that he has a future at South Carolina. I'll put it that way. He's just he's just a freshman, and he needs to get a little bit stronger. Uh, Morris Ugusk, um, he is another freshman. Um, he's sort of like Austin Hero where he probably needs a year or two of seasoning, but I think he has the makings of a hit on the recruiting trail. And he'll, he'll be a player that's in the rotation in a few years, maybe not this season. Um, he has athleticism, and is definitely a kid that could blossom – you know, rapidly now that he's in a college program. I have really high hopes for him. He, he shot the ball pretty well, you know, when he was doing some of those games with the students. So um, bright future, I think, for both of those, both those young wings. Uh, it stung that Colin Murray Boyles was out with an illness because I would have liked to get my eyes on him. But based on everything I've heard about him in practice and in the offseason, he's going to be counted on this season. And I think he's a, he's a guy that has a chance for all SEC freshmen um, you know, all SEC freshman team, I think he has that type of ability. I think he's gonna be counted on to do big things for the Gamecocks this season. So I'll I'll end with BJ Mack, who might have been the most notable transfer. I know that he had a minor procedure on his knee a few days before this event, but I was I was actually kind of alarmed at how unathletic he is. He is clearly a below the rim type player. And look, you know, there's probably some knee soreness and you're not really trying too hard in warm-ups, not going full bore because you don't want to re-injure anything. But um, I'll, I'll just put it this way. I've heard from some people who, you know, have scouted him in the past, who have played against him in the past um, when he was over, um, you know, at his old school. I think it was at, at Wofford. Um, just temper your expectations. I don't think he's going to be like a 16-8 and eight type player for South Carolina, like 16 points and 8 rebounds. I think if they can get double figures from him night in and night out, that would be a, a big plus. And um, I, I would I would probably – I don't know. i got to see more of him because I, I took some flack on the message board um, because I kind of said that he didn't impress me. And, you know, I didn't know about the, the minor knee injury leading up to it. But still, um, he was – he seems like a jovial guy. I'm, 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 I want to be wrong. I'll put it this way. I want to be wrong about B.J. Mack. But, but we'll see. He's going to be asked to stretch the defense. He does have – um, the ability to shoot from three. Um, he's not really going to be above the rim at all, you know, dunking the ball, blocking shots. He's going to have to be crafty and, and play below the rim with pump fakes and, and that sort of thing, maybe some floaters. So, um, you know, let me be wrong on B.J. Mack. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Please let me be wrong on him. Um, outside of that, we talked about the shooting competition. I thought the Gamecocks shot the ball well in the scrimmage and in warm-ups and in the the shooting competition they had for the players and the students that were in attendance. Uh, the dunk contest was pretty fun. Um, you know, had some really cool dunks, a lot of windmills, a lot of reverse dunks. Um, clearly, some of these kids have some athleticism, and that's that's very much needed when you play in the SEC. So, pumped up for the Gamecocks. Like I said, I know they were predicted to finish last in the SEC, according to the, the SEC media. I'd be shocked if that happens. I think that this is a... You know, maybe a, a 9-10, 11th best team in the conference as things stand right now with the opportunity to to improve upon that. I mean, I think it'll take a, a big effort to get into the top eight of the SEC this particular season. But I think Lamont is laying the groundwork for a successful program in South Carolina. And, and this year is going to be a year where more development is going to take place with these younger guys. You know, you got to hope that Talon and Michi and, and Miles Studi and and those guys can can lead the Gamecocks early on and, and just set a persona for the team. If the Gamecocks shoot the way they've shot so far um, in the preseason 
you know, going back over the summer when they had their overseas trip and they shot, you know, just shot the crap out of the basketball. They're going to have a chance in every game because the three-pointer is the ultimate um, ultimate weapon in, in college basketball and the ultimate equalizer, you know, when you might not have as much overall talent or ability. If you can shoot the three ball, you always have a chance. So we got to hope the Gamecocks can do that this year. I'm really optimistic about the team. Like I said, I think they're probably in that 9, 10, 11 range in the conference. But who knows? Um, I've seen teams that, you know, were predicted to finish last, finish top five in the conference before. So this is about ba- – this is a college basketball season I'm really, really excited for. I mean, you know, being a basketball guy, even towards the end of the Frank Martin era, I was getting kind of, you know, I kind of had lost my love of watching South Carolina play basketball. They got really ugly and there's some mounting bad losses, and I didn't think there was going to be any change until Frank was, Frank was, you know, ultimately, you know, moved on, however, whether it was firing or taking another job, but. Excited for what Lamont's doing. I think the basketball is going to be exciting in Columbia this year, and I think the Gamecocks are going to be much better than their last place prediction, according to the SEC media. So that'll open the show. Um, as always, on this um, Thursday night show, we um, do some Gamecock recruiting notes. We talk about the week that was. Um, we talk about the SEC and, and what happened last week and, and what's going to happen this weekend. And then we'll do a prediction for – the Gamecocks game this weekend against Texas A&M. So let's go ahead and hit that SEC whip around. Um, obviously, last week the Gamecocks lost to Missouri. Um, not really a close game, um, despite you know Missouri you know not scoring a lot in the second half. The game was effectively over at the end of the first half. And we talked a lot about that on Monday's show, which you can find on YouTube, or you can just go back an episode or so um, wherever you get podcasts, and you can listen to that if you'd like to hear more. Uh, one of the biggest games of the weekend involved Alabama and Tennessee. Um, Alabama was victorious at home, 34-20. to 20. Uh, Tennessee was actually up 20-7 to 7 at halftime, and it kind of looked like, okay, is this the, the, the old Alabama we saw to start the season? You know, how good is this Alabama team? And you kind of had some question marks, but wow, did, did Alabama just absolutely respond in the second half? Um, they blanked Tennessee on the scoreboard and racked up 27 unanswered points to win the game 34-20. to Alabama is now 7-1 and overall and 5-0 and in the conference. Tennessee falls to 5-2 and overall and 2-2 two and two in conference play. Um, Joe Milton for Tennessee, 28-41, 271 yards passing, two intercept, or two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Joe Milton led Tennessee in rushing with 15 carries for 59 yards. Outside of that, the Vols really couldn't get much going. Uh, Jalen Wright had 11 carries for 22 yards, um, averaging two yards a carry. Uh, Jabari Small, eight carries for 24 yards. Um, Tennessee just got shut out in the second half. There's no other way to say it. Jalen Milrow for Alabama had another effective, efficient game. You know, maybe he's finding his, his footing in Alabama. 14 of 21 for 220 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Um Jace McClellan for Alabama had 27 carries for 115 yards and a touchdown. Um, looking around, Alabama was balanced at wide receiver. A lot of guys catching passes and mixing up in the yards. Uh, looking at tackles for loss, uh, Tennessee continued to get some tackles for loss. You know, four sacks and five tackles for loss. Tennessee's been living in opponents' backfields all season long. And then Alabama actually got after Tennessee. Um, had three sacks and eight tackles for loss. And and they just, like I said, dominated the second half. So 
Um, we'll talk about um, Alabama, who's off this week, and, and Tennessee going forward. And we're kind of getting that SEC race shaping up. The next game we'll talk about here is Ole Miss at Auburn. Um, Ole Miss won the game 28-21. to um, Ole Miss is now 6-1 and one overall, 3-1 and one in the conference. Auburn fell to 3-4 and four overall and 0-4 oh in the conference. You know, I will say that Auburn seems to seems to just be in the abyss right now. Um, 0 and 4 in conference. You know, they've been somewhat competitive in games. Um, I wouldn't say that, you know, Ole Miss blew out Auburn. I mean, it was a tie game at halftime. Um, in the second half, you know, Ole Miss got one more touchdown to win the game. It's kind of the way it went. Jackson Dart didn't have his best game, 10 of 17 for 202 yards, passing one touchdown, one interception. Um, Looking over at Auburn, they're still really, really struggling to move the ball through the air. Their quarterbacks were a combined 12 of 17 for 122 yards, um, one touchdown and two interceptions. Auburn's just got to figure out that quarterback position going forward. Um, Running the ball, Ole Miss racked up 223 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. Auburn had 150 yards on the the ground and two touchdowns. Um, You know, just... We're seeing Ole Miss is just kind of that team that is just hanging around, hanging around. Um, six and one. I think the only loss was to to Alabama. Um, so we'll see. Auburn, like I said, drops to zero and four. I wish that Auburn was on South Carolina's schedule this year. I wish Arkansas was on South Carolina's schedule this year, but it's just not the way the schedule worked out. Gamecocks have played a pretty tough one so far. Uh, we'll talk quickly about this game. It was a blowout. Um, LSU defeated Army 62 to nothing. Um, Jaden Daniels is 11 for 15 for 279 yards passing and three touchdowns. Um, Garrett, Garrett Nussmeyer for LSU got in there. He was 7 of 12 for 89 yards and a touchdown. Auburn racked, I mean, LSU racked up 202 yards on the, on the ground and four touchdowns. Um, Auburn just, I'm not, I, I keep saying Auburn. I'm, Auburn stuck in my mind. But um, LSU is just looking better and better and better every week. They're one of my favorite teams to watch in the SEC, and I would encourage you guys to, to check them out. Uh, the last game here, um, a real barn burner. Uh, Mississippi State defeated Arkansas 7-3. to um, Yeah, that, that's right, 7-3. to Ole Miss, or not, Mississippi State's now 4-3 and overall and 1-3 and in the conference. Arkansas is now 2-6. and Overall, an 0 for 5, 0 for 5 in conference play. Uh, Mississippi State passing um, didn't really do much. Mike Wright, 8 of 12 for 85 yards. So it looks like I, don't, I can't remember if um, the Mississippi State quarterback was injured or not. I didn't watch any of this game. It was one of the least appetizing games on the schedule. Uh, K.J. Jefferson, 19 of 31 for 97 yards. So neither quarterback managed 100 yards uh, passing on the day. Um, that's tough to tough to stomach for you know a college football fan watching this game, and um, yeah, not much to say here. I think that the uh, Arkansas offensive coordinator ended up getting fired after this game, so Arkansas is in a bad place right now. Um, probably, probably the only team in the country in a worse spot than than South Carolina, um, and especially in the SEC, I should say. But you know, South Carolina was able to beat Mississippi State, and Arkansas wasn't. So Arkansas is clearly bringing up the rear. Um, when it comes to the SEC this season. They're right there with Vanderbilt. <laughs> I just didn't see that coming. 
So we'll look at the college football, especially the SEC schedule here this week. Um, as you guys know, South Carolina um, travels to College Station to play Texas A&M. Texas A&M is favored by 16 points. The over-under is 52, 52.5 points, um, 12 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, 3.30, you got Georgia, Florida, um, in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Georgia is favored by 14.5 points, and the over-under is 49. At 3.30 p.m. on SEC Network, Mississippi State faces off at Auburn. Um, Auburn's favored by 6.5 points, um, so that will – We'll see if Auburn's able to get their first SEC win this season. 7 p.m. will be an interesting one. I probably want to tune in for this one, considering the Gamecocks will play Kentucky here in a few weeks. But at 7 o'clock on ESPN, it's number 21, Tennessee, at Kentucky. Uh, Tennessee is favored by 3.5 at, at Kentucky. So I'm um, excited to watch that one. And then the last game of the SEC slate, 7.30, Vanderbilt at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is favored by 24.5 points with an over-under of 63. So uh, Vegas and the betters are predicting that Ole Miss is going to be able to do whatever they want against Vanderbilt. Um, so Vanderbilt and Auburn and Arkansas are the only winless teams in the SEC right now. Crazy, crazy stuff. So we'll move into this, this South Carolina at Texas A&M preview. Um, this is just one of those, <clears throat> one of those games that is, is kind of, you kind of wish you didn't have to watch it if you're a Gamecock fan. Um, I've been on a couple shows this week and the stuff that I've kind of talked about with folks is this has all the feelings I had against, you know, going into the Tennessee game last year. I thought Tennessee was going to be able to name their score. I thought South Carolina was going to get absolutely blown out. Um, I didn't think South Carolina had a prayer. I mean, I would have bet my mortgage that Tennessee won by 35 points. And, and lo, lo and behold, South Carolina found a way to get it done in Williams-Brice and one of the more magical um, games for a Gamecock fan over the last probably decade or so. So anything's possible. I say that anything's possible. Um, you know, I, I struggle with the offensive line. <clears throat> you know, the way that Missouri was able to get just unrelenting pressure on Spencer Rattler, especially in the first half. I think that Texas A&M has a better defensive line than Missouri does. Um, you know, despite Texas A&M being four and three, um, those fans in Aggieland are going to show up. They're going to be loud. Uh, they they are they are really good fans. And and Jimbo Fisher, you know, probably cannot afford to lose this game at this point in his tenure. You know, despite that seventy six million dollar buyout, Jimbo. Jimbo's got to win this game, and he's probably got to win it convincingly, in my opinion, because you know, find a way if you're Texas A&M to salvage the season. Um, the $76 million buyout does not come into play for A&M. They have the money. It just depends if they want to spend it, if they believe in Jimbo or not. So a lot of, a lot of storylines here. South Carolina is famous for you know, being the, the last, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back when you know, coaches get fired. So maybe that happens. Maybe that happens again this weekend. I'm, I'm, as you guys know, I, I spend an inordinate amount of time daydreaming ways that South Carolina can win the game. And, you know, I'll have to agree with my, with my friend um, JB, JB um, from the JB, JC, and Phil show. But I almost said the JB and Goldwater show. It's been a minute. It's been a minute since that show was there. But I'll have to agree with JB. I think you've got to find ways to shorten this game. I think you have to just run the ball. Run the ball, quick screens, quick outs. 
you know, the, the less time Texas A&M has the ball, um, the, the less opportunity they have to put points up on the board. I think that Perry Orth had a really good um, thought on the, the JB, JC, and Phil show um, the other day, and he talked about, you know, take that first-half game plan that you had against Georgia and, and, and take, that, take that game plan to Texas A&M. Um, and I, I think that, you know, you can do that. Texas A&M has been known to sleepwalk some. Texas A&M might not get up for this game. I don't know. Um, I I don't think that that South Carolina should win this game. I think Texas A&M should win the game, and, and being a 16-point favorite bears that out. But I have a really funny feeling about this game, and I, I can't shake it. I don't know if it's the hope of you know what South Carolina did against Tennessee and Clemson to close out last year. I don't know if it's just Shane having a way to get his players – you know, motivated and united and, and, and you're loving your brother and find some joy and all that. But for some reason, I just think this game is going to be closer than the spread. And, and I might be a lunatic for saying it. I might be an absolute looney tune for thinking that South Carolina can even win this game or cover the spread in this game. I think that, I think Dowell Loggins is a, is a real big benefit to South Carolina in this game. I think he can be creative. I know that Xavier Leggett is going to, going to play. I think Nicholas Harbor's coming on a little bit. I'm, I'm, we'll have to see. Um, but just looking, let's talk about Texas A&M for a little bit. You know, they are on their, their backup quarterback, Max Johnson. And although he's a backup, he has started in the SEC before at LSU. Um, so far on the season, Max Johnson is 56 point. He has a completion percentage of 56.8%. Um, average, you know, average pass attempt, um, average yards per pass attempt is 7.6 yards. Seven touchdowns, four interceptions. He's been sacked ten times. Um, so, the, so, if South Carolina can find a pass rush, you know they have a chance in this game against Max Johnson. I, I firmly believe that. You know, running the ball, um, Texas A&M has two guys that each have over 285 yards rushing. They both average um, over five yards a carry. Um, you know, Texas A&M can pound you into submission running the ball at receiver. Um, they have two guys that are over 450 yards receiving, a couple more that are over, you know, over or close to 150. Um, so they can be varied. They can, they can, they have a number, they have a number of playmakers out there. Uh, as far as place kicking goes, uh, their field goal kicker is 15 of 21 on the season. Um, he really struggles in that 40 to 49 yard range, two of seven on the season. Um, you know, defensively, um, they have 29 sacks on the season. Uh, tackles for loss. I can't find them. Um, interceptions. They have forced four interceptions on the season. So, you know, I look at this and I just think that South Carolina, you know, they have a chance. <laughs> and and maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm crazy. I think that I think I'm excited for the game tomorrow. Like I told myself, like, you know, after the Missouri game, I didn't want to watch Carolina football for two weeks. I didn't want to watch until they played Jacksonville State, but. I have a creeping suspicion that South Carolina is going to find a way to make this game competitive. Um, but I have a firm rule right now that until I see the Gamecocks do it, I'm not going to pick them to win on the road in the SEC. I might pick them to cover the spread, but I'm not going to pick them to win. So with all of that being said, I, I'm going to go Texas A&M wins this game, and I'm going to predict Texas A&M wins 24-17. to 17. I think that this will be a third, fourth quarter game. I think that um, you know, eventually this pass rush is just going to be too much for the Gamecocks. 
I think that you'll probably see something along the lines of South Carolina staying connected, staying connected, you know, maybe even winning at halftime, which is crazy for me to say. But I'm going to say Aggies 24, Gamecocks 17, and I hope like hell that I'm wrong. I will be cheering the Gamecocks on. Um, actually, um, Thursday, uh, today, actually, yeah, it's my birthday. So I'm hoping my birthday wish, I blew out the candles, I wish for a Gamecock win against Texas A&M. So um, let's see if um, I can have some magic um, this birthday. The last time I wished for a Gamecock win on my birthday, Connor Shaw came in and, and in the second half and Gamecocks beat Missouri in overtime and all that. So let's see if it can happen against Texas A&M. Let's see if the Gamecocks can get two in a row against Texas A&M. I think that um, it would be great for South Carolina. I think that the entire season could flip on its head if the Gamecocks can find a way to win tomorrow. Or, I'm sorry, Saturday. Find a way to win, and you're looking at three and five. Your next four games are at home. It wouldn't be crazy for South Carolina to run the table if they can get this win against Texas A&M. Critical game. Otherwise, you got to run the table at home either way just to get to bowl eligibility. So, Taking A&M to win, but I'm hoping like hell I'm wrong. All right, so moving on to um, some of your favorite, favorite, um, some of y'all's favorite part of the show. We're going to go on to the gambling picks. Um, last week, um, last week, just to recap, I had Florida State minus 14.5. That won. I had Penn State plus 4.5. That did not hit. Alabama minus 9. That hit. Ole Miss minus 6.5. That hit. And Southern Cal minus seven. Obviously, that one did not hit. So three and two on the week for the season. Twenty-one wins, fifteen losses, and three pushes. So six games over five hundred in the gambling pick. So let's look at this week's slate and see what we can find. So as always, if, if this is the first time you're kind of checking in on the show, I, I try to stick with top twenty-five teams, teams I know they're going to be on TV and prominent spots, and you, know, you have the opportunity to watch the games. So let's look through here. Um, 12 o'clock, I already know um, one of the games I'm going to pick, and that is going to be Oklahoma minus 9. Oklahoma minus 9 versus, um, at Kansas. I don't think the Kansas defense can stop anybody, and I think that Oklahoma you know, had their scare last week, and they're going to get right back to, to winning big against Kansas. Oklahoma minus 9 is that pick. Um, looking around, looking around. Oh, so the big game at 3.30 probably needs to be be on the docket is Oregon at Utah. Right now, Oregon is a six-and-a-half-point favorite at Utah. Um, Oregon 6-1, and 3-1 and one in the Pac-12. Utah is 6-1 overall, 3-1 and one in the Pac-12. Oregon minus 6-and-a-half, over-under set at 47.5. Uh, I think that – I think Utah has some – Utah has some guts guts to them. I wish that was like seven and a half, but I'll take I'll take Utah and I'll take Utah plus the six and a half. So that's two of my picks. Looking through here, um, don't look now, but Duke and Louisville are both top twenty in the country at three thirty. Louisville is favored by five and a half points over Duke. The game is at Louisville, and the over under over under is forty six and a half. I just can't. I I'm, I might come back to that one. But I'm not going to look at that one right now. Um, in the SEC, we do have um, at seven o'clock Tennessee at Kentucky. Tennessee is a three and a half point favorite. I'm going to take Tennessee minus the three and a half. 
I don't think that Kentucky is very good. I just don't. Um, I think that this is a, kind of a trap line because Tennessee kind of floundered against Alabama, but they were they were toe to toe with Alabama with Alabama for a half. So give me Tennessee minus the three and a half. Um, keep moving through here. Ohio State at Wisconsin. Ohio State's favored by 14 and a half. I really don't like that number. Um, yeah, how about North Carolina losing and they're playing Georgia Tech after Georgia Tech upset Miami? That's interesting. Look, let's go back to um let's go back to old Colorado. We haven't had any prime coach prime here in a while. Colorado is a 15-point underdog to UCLA. Um I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the buffs. I'm gonna take Colorado to make it fun. Take Colorado plus the fifteen at UCLA. Let's make that fun. I got one more game to pick here. Um ooh, I guess the, the best game to go to is the Duke Louisville game. I don't know if Riley's gonna be back for Duke. I don't really trust Louisville though. Um Louisville minus five and a half. Give me Duke. Give me and give me Duke plus five and a half. So those are the five picks this week. Oklahoma minus nine. Utah plus six and a half. Tennessee minus three and a half. Colorado plus fifteen. And Duke plus five point five. So those are the picks. Um, appreciate you guys spending your time with me tonight. Um, I, I tell you this all the time, but I, I thank you so much for giving me the most valuable thing you have, which is your time. It means the world to me. I don't take it for granted. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show tonight. I hope that we can we can get together soon. You know, pop in on Monday night, Monday night at nine o'clock on YouTube. We'll have we'll recap this Texas A&M game. Hopefully, the Gamecocks pull a stunner, get back in you know bowl eligibility talks. That would be amazing. And then um, I'm probably going to start making more appearances on Wednesdays on the JB, JC, and Phil show. Probably looking at that eleven o'clock window. That's kind of when I take my lunch, so it works out kind of perfectly. Um, so. Look for me there. Again, thank you so much for for joining me tonight. I hope you have a great weekend, and go Cox!